0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong and this is Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. This week on our monthly series called That Sport, we're going to be talking about a lesser-known sport that combines tennis and squash, a sport called pedal. Pedal is a sport that has experienced a remarkable rise in popularity, transforming from a relatively niche sport to now a global phenomenon. It's known as the fastest-growing record sport in the world, which many believe began as early as the 1920s as a pastime on British cruise ships, while others claim that its origins lie in Spain and Latin America. Whichever way, it was not until 1974 that pedal emerged as a sport played according to the rules that apply to today. Like mentioned, it's a mix between tennis and squash, usually played in doubles on an enclosed court surrounded by walls of glass and metallic mesh, with the court being one-third the size of a normal tennis court. Pedal has been endorsed by many global superstars such as Andy Murray, David Beckham, with its accent attributed to several key factors that have contributed to the widespread appeal and rapid growth. One of the big reasons behind the boom in popularity is its accessibility, where unlike some other record sports that may require extensive training or specialized facilities, pedal is relatively easy to pick up and can be enjoyed by players of all ages and skill levels. The smaller court size and the use of walls also create a unique playing experience that allows for longer rallies, exciting shots even for beginners. This accessibility has attracted a diverse range of participants from casual players seeking recreational fun to professional athletes looking for a new challenge. Well, a brand new and the first paddle club in Malaysia had begun operations recently. It's called the Escaro Paddle Club, which is located at the rooftop of Wanutama. Its co-founder and managing director, Daniel Lilikvis, joins us on the program this week as we explore more about the unique world of paddle.
1: Paddle actually is not a very new sport per se. Uh, It actually started in the 1960s uh, and was invented by a Mexican uh, fellow called Enrique Conquerera. And the paddle rules only was made in 1974. Uh, And, you know, there was a guy who made a downsized tennis court uh, and then they came up with the rules because he had the walls to bounce around and so on and so forth. And then there was this friend of him, which was Prince Alfonso from Spain, mm. um, who brought this back to Spain and put it in his social and, and country club in, in Marbella. And that's where the sport really took off. Mm. And now in the last 20 years, it's been growing very, very rapidly. Yeah, and all... Spain, It's the biggest sport after football right now. In Sweden, 10% of the population is actually playing uh, in paddle. Huh. And it's only been around for 10 years in Sweden. Mm. And now he's taking Dubai and, and Bali and places by, by storm. So it's very interesting to see the growth in this sport.
0: Yeah, and now Malaysia too, thanks to you guys.
1: And now finally Malaysia, yes.
0: Um, for you personally, Daniel, you know, how did you get introduced uh, to the sport and what were some of the considerations that you talked about before bringing it to, to Malaysia?
1: So I used to play quite a fair bit of tennis before and I was working uh, closely with uh, Sweden for, earlier. I was flying back and forth every month, uh, every second month. And in in Sweden, everyone started to talk about paddle, paddle. And I I wanted to try it, but I was so busy with work that I didn't have the chance to actually try. Mm. So I was thinking, okay, when I fly back to Malaysia, I'm going to try to play a bit of paddle. But then I couldn't find any any place here where they had actual paddle court. I think the closest one was in Swiss Country Club in in Singapore at that time. And I think Bangkok had one court. And then, you know, slowly I, I I did some research how much racket sport players you actually have in Malaysia, and as it's a mix between squash and tennis, I thought it would be a great uh, great opportunity to bring it here because I think it will be a lot of people who will actually enjoy this sport. Hmm. So I started on a very small scale actually. I I tried to find a small place where I can fit two courts, a little bit outskirts of, of KL somewhere, and then you know along the way it escalated and and here I am now two years later with uh, SCARO, which is the most uh, premium paddle and social club in the world.
0: Mm -hmm. Your idea from two courts just grew and now you guys are located at the rooftop of Wanutama.
1: Correct, correct.
0: Yeah. Uh, Give give us a bit of insight. You you, you mentioned that uh, it's a mix of tennis and squash, but what are some of the basic rules and what the scoring system like uh, in paddle?
1: So the basic rules, right? You, You always play in doubles, in the double courts. Uh, And the scoring system is very, very similar to tennis. The the scoring is 15, 30, 40, deuce, advantage, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And you play six games in a set. uh, There can be tiebreak and so on and so forth. Uh, But what's unique with this sport, right? You're playing on a court that is slightly 25% uh, smaller than a tennis court. And you can also use the elements of the wall to bounce bounce the ball back, basically. Mm,
0: That's where squash comes in.
1: Correct, correct. Mm. So same as in tennis, you only have one bounce per side. Uh, you, of course, you can also hit the ball volley before it even bounces. But then you can choose to shoot it back into the glass it goes over to the opponent's side. Mm. Or you can let the ball bounce into the glass and return the ball to the other side before it bounces again. Yeah. And this is what I think makes the sport so much easier to learn as well. Yeah. And it's easier to get into it because the learning curve is not as, maybe, as difficult as in squash and tennis. Yeah. Uh, as the ball always stays within the court. You don't have to chase the ball so much. So It's less tiring in that sense.
0: You, you say the ball always stays in the court, but while doing research for this show, I know something, a phrase stood out, out of ball, out of court ball, right? People aim to do that.
1: Correct. Uh, we won't see that in Malaysia <laughs> as of now because you need to reach a certain level, I would say, if you're not very lucky. Mm. Because there's a certain sweet spot you can hit uh, on the court where it bounces in the ground and then a certain space on the glass and then it goes out. And the professionals are good. They can actually run out the court and return the ball in Mm. to the opponent's net, and that will score.
0: (laughs) It's amazing. Um, talking a little bit about the different types of courts. Um, what are some of the main differences? Differences playing on, uh, turfs like artificial grass and you know concrete courts. For example, you guys have concrete courts, no?
1: No, this is artificial artificial grass. Ah, it should be. I know the older courts back in the days, they have like cement walls and, and cement floor. But of course, there will be totally different bounds on that. Yeah. So all the, the, the new paddle places you see around the world, they will always carry artificial turf.
0: Okay, gotcha. Uh, any differences in terms of play style with those different surfaces?
1: Uh, the cement ones should be much faster ah. than the, without the artificial turf. Mm. Even though here with the climate, I get a lot of players flying in from Europe and so on and so forth to try the courts. They said it's very fast here due to the humidity and the heat.
0: Right, got you.
1: deep is a fast-paced
0: court. All those uh, plays a factor as well.
1: Yes, and there's certain different types of turf as well. Mm. Curled one, straight one, that also has an impact on on the speed of the the ball.
0: I see, I see. How about the rackets though? I've never seen anything like that before.
1: The pedal rackets. Yeah, the pedal rackets. uh, They are a bit different compared to the other ones in the industry, right? So it's a smaller racket than a tennis racket. much shorter also than tennis and a squash racket, which you can see a lot of squash and tennis players that come here and, you know, they don't really reach the ball sometimes because Mm. they just assume that the racket is, you know, the same length, which is quite interesting to see. (laughs) And usually they're made of carbon fiber or glass fiber, depending on, you know, what material you use, or EVA uh, fiber sometimes. Mm. Uh, So that's, you know... Depends on on the price, of course, of the racket because carbon fiber is very expensive, but it's very durable as well. You won't break the racket in the first place.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Drawing comparisons back to tennis, you you were a tennis player, which at times, especially in Malaysia, can be seen as an, inverted commas, elitist sport. Uh, Would you say that pedal kind of bridges that gap as a more accessible cousin to tennis?
1: Is it a more accessible cousin to tennis? Yes, for sure but it's also an elite sport i would say as the, the 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 entry level of the sport is quite expensive the rackets are more expensive than than most tennis rackets oh really oh the setup is more expensive than tennis especially if you're a club owner like myself because the, the setup of the court is a totally different thing than the tennis court right mm, mm g- so g- of course the price of this sport goes up a little bit
0: okay uh, give, give give us a bit of a ballpark number in terms of you know um, equipment
1: yeah, yeah. so that we are carrying a barat Course Schlesinger for example, and our entry racket is 799 ringgit.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, but then of course there there's other brands out there like the Captain, I know they're all also producing pedal rackets where you can probably find one much cheaper than that.
0: And the balls you guys use, uh, standard tennis balls?
1: No, so it's the pedal balls actually.
0: Pedal balls too, okay
1: slightly smaller and different pressure in them so they have a different
0: bounce mm-hmm. equipment aside there's also uh, something really interesting about uh, paddle is the social element to the game right like you said you know it's always played in doubles or mostly anyway played in doubles format um, can you expand a bit uh, about this aspect of the game you know how do you foster a sense of community uh, among your club members
1: Well, so how we do that is because we have a very nice bar next to the bar and restaurant next to the courts, first of all, so people can play, then they can go and relax and have a drink, go back to the court, right? And we also do a lot of different tournaments, uh, so people come and they meet new friends. Hmm. There is one tournament uh, called Americano, or it's a type of tournament where you actually mix partner in every game and you bring your points with you individually. Oh, wow. So you always switch partner after every game. And that's a great way to to introduce, you know, the the kind of community to the club that you get to know everyone instead of, you know, eh, that in tennis, you always play with your mate always, right, in a way. So here, you always have to mix around. Mm. Hmm. Great way to, s- to create this kind of community.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, and also something is have to be has to be said about the setup, right? Like you mentioned, it's twenty five percent smaller. So in that sense, the opponents can talk to each other more rather than the tennis court, where you know it's really huge.
1: Exactly, exactly. And you always move in a line in paddle, mm. so you always move next to each other. So there has to be a lot of communication, of course. Why when you will be playing together like a long time, then you would know automatically. Uh, automatically.
0: Mm. Wow, that's interesting. That whole switching up your partners bit. With the yeah. individual points. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, well, while doing research for the show, Daniel, I also came across another sport pretty similar to yours, uh, maybe a bit older, pickleball, which is really popular uh, in the US. There's no wall separate uh, ar- around the court, right? But apart from that, you know, what differentiates these two, pedal and pickleball? Uh,
1: first of all, the, the court is much smaller in, in, in pickleball and the ball is completely different. Okay. Mm. It's a ball with that is, you know, uh, there's nothing inside it, so it's very slow in a way. Uh, and also you, of course you don't have the elements of bouncing the ball around as in paddle where you're surrounded by this glass cage
0: mm, I see, I understand um, so uh, squash tennis and some would say racquetball combined equals pedal. and I, and I read that you know, compared to tennis it's less focused on strength more on tactics and psychology uh, Daniel, give us an insight what are some of the key techniques and skills required to excel at pedal? what did you have to learn?
1: Uh, Well, that's a very good question. I mean, first of all, for me, uh, as a tennis player, you think it's a lot of, you know, using power and so on, you know, force. Here, you need to probably take a step back and understand that you don't need to go full force. It's more about, you know, pushing your players back and, you know, you you need to go to the net. And then it's only from there you can attack, actually. Mm, From mm. back here is only defense. right compared to tennis where you can hit a big smash from the back line and still make a point in paddle that's almost impossible
0: and also the the, the inclusion of the wall around it I'm sure that changes up things a little bit compared to normal Correct. tennis that right? makes it very interesting you can hit it to you the back the
1: ball in the corners and then you need to know exactly where the ball should technically go right mm. and then you have to turn around and so on
0: Interesting, interesting. Uh, so, among some of the superstars and you know international athletes that have endorsed paddle, the likes of tennis player Andy Murray, David Beckham, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, all has been invested uh, in the sport. And it's a sport, like I said at the top of the interview, the fastest growing record sport in the world. Uh, what would you attribute this rapid growth of Pedal to worldwide?
1: I think for sure it's the social aspect and you know the, the, the accessibility and it is easy to learn. Mm. I know in Sweden, for example, they even had a little bit of an issue that a lot of the tennis courts is actually converted into paddle courts. Mm.
0: Converted? Oh,
1: Yes. Mm. That might happen here in Malaysia too one day. Who knows? <laughs>
0: yeah, because uh, tennis clubs around the world are also adding and converting their clubs, like you mentioned, to uh, paddle courts to keep up with the demand, right? Do you foresee a trend of you know guys like yourself uh, coming from tennis switching completely over to, to paddle, leaving tennis behind?
1: Yes, for sure. Some people, they will still play ball sport because I still love tennis. So, you know, mm. once in a while I will play it. But now it's time for me to practice and become a good paddle player first. Great stuff. And another thing I see as well that paddle has, you know, people putting roof out over it. And in, in, in Europe, a lot of them are indoors as well. So you can play it all year round. Mm. Tennis courts here in Malaysia, for example, in the middle of the day, you don't really want to play because it's so hot, right?
0: Mm, yeah, speaking of being here and the, the, the weather and stuff like that, uh, Malaysians, we have our favorite core sports, you know, the likes of badminton, football. That, that will always be a Malaysian sport. Before the interview, you, off the mic, you told me that the local reaction has been great, you know. So t- t- tell us a little bit about it. You know, how are people receptive to pedal? You know, are they willing to try new things?
1: Definitely, definitely. A lot of people have heard about it from social media. Some people are just curious, they just come here and have a look. Uh, but when we give them the racket in the hand, so they try a little bit, I think most of the people they actually come back and play because they get quite attached to it uh, directly.
0: Mm, interesting. Europe, uh, like you mentioned, you're from Sweden, but Europe around has a thriving competitive paddle scene. And I know you guys organize tournaments as well. But uh, you know, if aspiring paddle player in Malaysia wants to make it pro, for example, is there avenue for them to do that uh, here in Malaysia?
1: Definitely. I mean, we had a lot of uh, professional athletes here already from squash and, and tennis, uh, mostly, uh, and we see a lot of potential in them. With the right coaching, uh, I think we can really see some Malaysian top players in the future.
0: Mm. And how do you and do you guys coach as well? At the club? Or how do you source for your coaches?
1: Yes, I have uh, some uh, coaches that uh, are part timers. Mm. One French, one uh, Spanish guy, and now I just flew in a guest coach from Spain as well. Nice. So you got here for six weeks.
0: Nice. So guys holding workshops, stuff like that?
1: Correct, correct. Oh. I think it's the best way to introduce the sport for people to come and try. They try with the coach so that they, they learn correctly from the start. I mean, mm. I, I know a lot of people, they do the mistake of maybe starting to play tennis or, or whatever sport it is right without coaching from the start. So they develop all these bad habits mm. It's very difficult sometimes to get rid of.
0: Mm, for sure, for sure. Uh, pedal is a sport that you that know, is now currently played worldwide it's a bunch of countries around the world. However, it's not yet an Olympic sport. Maybe that's the ultimate goal, right? And rumours the target is set on the 2032 Olympics uh, in Brisbane. Do, do you foresee this happening? Pedal becoming an Olympic sport?
1: I even heard it 2028. Oh, actually, actually. earlier. Hmm. Yes, and I believe so. I believe so. I, I mean, last year even outside Roland Garros, they had paddle courts outside. So I know they're promoting a lot for it right now. Hmm. I, I think that will happen.
0: Well, sure. but what do you think needs to, you know, I mean, paddle is a really a really good spectator sport. Um, what, what do you think needs to improve in that sense to make it to that level?
1: Well, first of all, they had to uh, create a few more federations in a couple of countries, right? That's one of the criteria. And then there needs to be some kind of financial support on it. Mm. And I know I see prize money for all the tournaments so that are on increasing and sponsors want to, you know, go on board as well. That mm. I think is one of the criteria for the sport to actually reach the Olympics.
0: Mm. Hopefully it gets there. Um, for someone who's a beginner who's just only found out about this sport through this interview, you know, how can someone get started with it? Are there any uh, beginner-friendly resources or even training programs available?
1: Definitely, definitely. They can go into the booking platform that we're using called Match MatchEye. And there, we usually list beginner courses. And if not, they can reach out to us directly and we can set up private uh, lessons.
0: That's great. Great stuff. Uh, For people listening to this, uh, interested in playing, are there any information online about the club?
1: Yes, they can find the information online on uh, askaro.com.
0: askaro.com. How about the rates? How, how, How much do you guys charge?
1: We are charging 160 ringgit per hour. And you're four players, so that's technically 40 ringgit per person. Mm. And then we have rackets for rental and sale as well as both.
0: Great. Uh,
1: They can find all the information on ascaropaddle.com.
0: That's great. The last question, Daniel, what are your future plans and goals uh, for the Ascaro Paddle Club?
1: Well we are targeting the, the corporate side. Basically, we want to host a lot of corporate events and sponsorships, right, and partnerships here. Um, because we think it's a great way to introduce the sport to the masses as well. You know, they get the co- corporates here, they have some team buildings, as well as after the pandemic, right, a lot of people, they're spending a little bit more money on their stuff to, you know, to stay healthy and do something active. Mm. I think Paddle is a great way to do that. Uh, so that's uh, how we're planning to expand here now to, to introduce it more to that, that scene. And then we'll see, maybe something will happen very soon that we might have another one in another part of KL or so. And then I think, you know, we will try to take over the rest of Southeast Asia in the, in the more the, the metropolitan cities.
0: That's right. it. Wishing you the best of luck.
1: Thank you so much.
0: That was Daniel Lilik the co-founder and managing director of the Ascaro Pedal Club. As this week, we've been exploring more about the unique world of paddle. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's episode and our monthly special on a series called That's a Sport. If you'd like to revisit that interview, you can head over to our website real soon, www.bfm.my forward slash bar none. And if you'd like to get in touch with the program, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. I've been Daryl Ong and this has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week on here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.